Season 3, Episode 11 of Stats of Matter, NFL News and Notes. The NFL is most definitely full of itself by now. And happy birthday, name, image, and likeness. One year old from uh, from from a year ago. Hmm. Wow, just nothing nothing but pure wisdom coming out of this right now. In our cups this week, it's a hazy triple IPA from Orange, California. Shout out Green Cheek and Alvarado Street. And you got a whiskey from Claremont, Kentucky. Shout out Jim Bean, not Bear, which is what I put in the notes. We're moving. Also, uh, follow us no, on Instagram. Also, there's no there's, stats there's, there's, don't matter. And on there's Twitter, no, there's no end. Jim B. Beam. Beam. Fuck. Carry on, sir. All right. Third time. Third time's a charm. Third time's a charm. Follow us on Instagram at stats don't matter. And on Twitter at stats podcast. All things beer, sports, fine. Stats don't matter wherever you get your podcast. Stitcher, Apple, Spotify, Google, Tim. Let's get into the show. Uh, it is hot as shit now. Like mm. all the time. And um, now there's a whole bunch of no seems that are out, and I don't <laughs> want to sound like I'm, I'm like I'm Krabby Patty, but uh, you know I go to walk the dog, then I come back, and magically I just have all these bug bites on my feet from walking through the grass. I'm just like, what am I paying the HOA for? Hmm. I'm getting attacked out here. Oof, I had so, one. Of, I had one of those at a, a friend of ours. Was it this? I don't know. COVID has ruined my timeline forever. But at one point we were sitting out by the fire. And mm-hmm. my feet were down on, they had pavers and everything, but my feet were kind of hanging down and I'd move up by the fire pit and I didn't feel anything. I woke up the next morning and it looked like from my uh, ankle, lower calf area to my toe had measles or something. There was, I'm not, I'd, I'd have to find a picture of it, but hundreds of little bumps and it was the itchiest thing. I Like, I don't know how it can go into... Like anaphylactic shock <laughs> or yeah, something. It, it was awful. It's it's definitely uh, definitely one of those things. So you know, yeah. ankles, ankles getting real swole, not because they've been lifting, but because you know, apparently these double IPAs taste sweet to whatever's out there in the grass. So uh, <laughs> that's what I will do here. I'm gonna go ahead and crack in this beer. So uh, Green Cheek Beer Co. Never heard of them before. Had mm. had heard of Alvarado Street, great brewery in California. Happy to get uh, a little bit of this from the beer stork. Shout out to the beer stork. Um, and really looking forward to it. Double dry hopped hazy triple IPA. You're the one usually doing all the triples, but you know what, Tim? I'm going to mm. do one. Hashtag for the brand. <clears throat> Podcast for the people. Oh, boy. Take a look at this. Mm. Mm-hmm. A nice, very, I would say almost like a pineapple juice like consistency um but i take a look at this bird right here you know what i mean nice nice little pastel bird uh if you're in california and you get a chance to you know get any beer from alvarado street you definitely have to do it Uh, i can get a lot of it i believe in monterey carmel by the sea that area so uh let's go here lots of uh no no hot particles uh settling it that's that's pretty good although let's see this was canned on the 21st so i should i shouldn't be expecting any of that uh, and I'm I'm definitely gonna say I get like pineapple and other citrus notes here, but usually triples like you just smell like a lot of the booze from the jump, and I don't get that here. Let's see hmm. what this is gonna be. Oh yeah, there we go. That is. Uh... He said, you can let this one roar, but the bite ain't nothing to worry about. And that is 
pretty much spot on. This is a triple hmm. IPA, 10.3%. And it does not taste like it at all. Like at all. It to me it tastes almost like the consistency of probably like a like a high end like single IPA. You know, like one you get that's like right at like the seven percent. Just enough booze where you can taste it, but like nothing that's like nothing that's fierce at all. More bark, less bite. Hmm. Yeah. Damn. I I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be real frank with you. This is a four five for me. This this is an incredible beer. Uh wow. hazy triple IPAs, usually there's something that's there. They're either too floral, they're too stingy, they're too boozy, maybe too sweet, but whatever this is, it's completely balanced and relaxed. This might be one of the perfect beers that you could get if you went to like a cookout and you're like, hmm, I'm gonna bring a four pack. I'm probably gonna give a couple away. But I don't want to be drinking Miller Lights all day. This is definitely what you start to cook out with. You have a couple of these, you set the tone, and then you just, you know, sip for the rest of the day. Nice, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's nice. been a while since I've had a uh, a good uh, triple. I'm going to triple in a little bit. Um, I've been crushing the high lifes lately when I'm drinking beers just because mm-hmm. my, my beer consumption has been way down. I've got a four-pack every now and again for the pod, yep. but for the most part. Uh, yeah, man, it's just been, just been quiet. Uh, but <clears throat> I had uh, a hell of a day at work today, so I decided uh, I would forego the um, op show and dive right into the uh, big boy show, which is what uh, <laughs> what we're doing tonight. Um, <clears throat> so as you can tell by this cool little box. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. Look at that. Uh, yeah. So Did you bring went, a little tiny hammer to break glass in case of emergency? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice. Uh, so what I'm opening up is a delicious little beverage called Little Book, um, which for the uninitiated is one of the limited release uh, bookers. Um, for those who don't know what bookers is, all right, well, you can't hear is me sliding up and down this this glass uh, like window for this box casing that houses this bottle of whiskey. Um, <clears throat> Booker's is Jim Beam's, uh, and Sam, that's with an M at the end, B-E-A-M. Just, just, just so you know. N. I thought it was M. M. No, that's what I said. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, M. yeah. As in matters. As in stats, though. Yeah. Um, Got it. Anyway. Booker's is Jim Beam's uh, sort of top shelf or, or premium variant. And each year, as of late, they come out with a blended series they call Little Book. Uh, and I think, I don't know if, I don't know how long they've been doing this in particular, but I know the current run is up to chapter five. Uh, and it's called, each one has its own sort of story behind it or, or why it's been given that name. This one is called The Invitation. Um, part of the reason for that is the way they blended this, it was supposed to be something that any newcomer, anybody who's like a seasoned whiskey drinker, both can, uh, find something in this to enjoy. Um, I was a, a big Booker's fan from the time I lived up in Portland. Uh, shout out to Maciek. He was our Polish bartender from David's which is uh, a nice restaurant on the... Okay, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. yeah for anyone anyone who's in the know, <clears throat> Tim is flexing right now. 
not not real. I don't know if I'd go back now and see, but before Portland. Oh, blew I'm just up saying I've the, never been to David's. Couldn't afford to go to David's, so well, go on with your bad self. This this was before Portland blew up as like a premier foodie hotspot. The food's always been fantastic in Portland, no doubt about it. But um many, 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 many moons ago, I worked for uh T D Bank in the time of temperature building, right in mm-hmm. Monument Square. And I, yeah, I used to do all of the commercial window type stuff. I was a branch sales and service rep, so I kind of did a little bit of everything. But I would run a, a lot of the commercial day-to-day transactions, and the guys from David's and a bunch of the other establishments around Portland would come in all the time. But uh, whenever we would go out for a drink, I mean, we were all singles. It was myself. There was three other guys, plus some of our friends. We'd go out for a drink after work, and we ended up meeting Machek, across the who worked as the bartender across the street and whenever we would go in and i i'm not sure if they still hold this same thing now but at the time they had the biggest uh whiskey scotch bourbon menu in all of portland it was like a, a book just for all their drinks um and we were drinking a lot of scotch back then a lot of you know like mid-grade to you know entry-level whiskeys and we made a deal with mod check every time we went in he got to pick the whiskey that we would try for the first round, and then we would buy whatever the the second one was. Um, so we got to try a lot of good stuff. But Booker's ended up kind of being our staple, you know, on payday because it was a little expensive back in the day. Uh, so it's always had a, a soft spot for me. And this little book, I think, is kind of a very good um, sort of. I don't know if I would always call it a step up, but it is a good sort of iteration of what Booker's is. Booker's is known to be a really high ABV, a high proof. Um, if you're not big into high proof whiskeys, it's not. Pro- it's, it's probably not going to be for you. But if you like those, uh, it's fantastic. Um, it's a great starting point. It's a every. It's a great treat. It's a. It's a great everyday drinker. However, you want to treat it, it kind of scratches all those. This one, uh, I think it's a little less in the proof department. It's about 116 proof, which I think equates to like 55, 56 ABV. So does have a little bit of that uh that that bite if you're not big into whiskeys but it's it's they've always been relatively smooth now this one is a blend of um three different ages of bourbon and then one rye which gets thrown in there and i'm not a big rye guy i'm just we've gone over this before i one of these days you will be i had a hundred dollar bottle that i picked up to try and i ended up giving it away because i wasn't uh i wasn't a big fan but um it's a two-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon, a five-year Kentucky straight, and a 15-year Kentucky straight blended with a, a three-year. So um, it's a little, I imagine, difficult to blend it so that it's not too rye or, or you don't get enough of the rye. There's, there, is, there is a nuance to it because otherwise you're just going to have a rye-flavored whiskey and that kind of defeats the purpose, especially if you're mixing this with like a a 15-year-old version. So let's give it a shot. Smells fantastic. It doesn't have a lot of... Sometimes with like, these high-proof whiskeys... looks like glass in the glass. Oh, yeah. It is... Uh, it's it's, very it's nice. It's got this sort of like nice oily texture to it. So when you when you look at a whiskey... I mean, sorry, when you look at a, uh, a beer, you're looking at head retention. When you look at whiskeys, as you spin it around it leaves sort of like a, a film or residue around the edge of the glass and you watch it kind of like drip down kind of like you do with, with wines. 
Um, but for 116 proof, when you smell it, it doesn't give off like that alcohol sort of bite to it. It's actually got a lot of sweetness to it. Like it smells almost like a, like a vanilla or honey, or like a little like cherry, like cherry wood to it. Everything about it is sweet. Um, but I know you guys only care about the, the taste of it. So let's go to show. Now, like I said, I had a hell of a day today. Very long. This perfectly hits that spot. Um, it has like a really, really mild finish to it. There's no overbearing bite. Sometimes you get that peppery back of the throat when you get those higher ABVs. I don't get any of that. There is a little bit of a, of a rye punch to it, which I'm not totally sure how I feel about it. It's got... So you, you take the first sip, it's it's got like the sweet start with a little bit of like a vanilla oak kind of flavor to it, which is perfect. And then that rye kind of creeps in there a little bit, but it's not enough for me to, to dislike it. I think this is, for what this ABV is, I think this is really, really good. I don't tend to put cubes, I, I tend to drink my stuff neat, but I think this is one that I would consider either like, um, you know, some folks might think it's blasphemy, but fuck them, I don't care. Um... Most whiskeys, uh, I'll drink neat, no no alterations for it, but I feel like this with a little splash of water or like a cube, like a small cube that kind of mellows out over time, this thing would be super, I don't want to say super sweet, it'd be really sweet and that rye would be a little bit more mellow. Um, so this is, this is where, really good. I like this. Where can you get it? So a little book you can get, It's it's distributed. If you live in an area where everything's secondary value, you're going to pay potentially an arm and a leg. It is around an $80 to $120 bottle in a lot of places, so it's not something you're going to go out and get all of the time, but it does come out once a year. This is this is the 2021 version, so the Chapter 5. But um, it's a great addition to any any liquor cabinet, anything you're, you know, you, where you want to start. Maybe collecting a little bit, it's a good entry point into that. Um, yeah. Cracking it open. You know, if I have a super special occasion, I'm, this may not be my go-to, but if I'm having friends over and I want to treat them to something a little nice, or let's say you had a great day at work, or in my case, tough day at work, uh, this is a good little this is a good little one. I'm gonna give it uh, a seven eight. That's right, because you you do out of a out of a, a one to ten scale. I know, yeah, I know, and then there's really no method to it other than uh, just because. But I mean. To me, the, the difference between a 5 and a 10 is drastically different, and the difference between mm -hmm. a 0 and a 10 is, like, severely more exaggerated than, like, a, a 1 to a 5 with a beer. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. Like, like we, give, right. we give some of the beers we drink a 5 as, like, a perfectly, you know, I mean, a 3 as, like, a mediocre beer and a 5 being a perfect one. A... Five in whiskey terms is nowhere close to like a seven, eight, or nine. So a little <laughs> bit of a different scale. If there's anything in a plastic bottle is like well, four or below. No, not really, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except if Van Winkle was served in plastic bottles, then all of a sudden it'd be like a seven and a half or something. All right. It probably wouldn't That's... taste the same. So. Mm, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? Yeah. Um, anyway. Crazy to think about that there is uh, blends of beer. Uh, sorry, bl blends of uh whiskey and bourbon that are, you know, half of our age. Just just think about yeah. that. It's a little 
you know, it's old enough to be in high school. It's weird. Um, ah. There's a couple of them that do that. Uh, I have another one in, I have another one in there that's a, a blend also of, um, it's called Barrel Distilling. And it's one of their, it's a store pick, but it's another one that's blended with like a 15 year, a 10 year, an eight year, and like a, a five year or something like that. Now the ratios tend to be more in favor of the younger ones, obviously. So it's probably like 40 for the two year, 10 for the, or, or, or 20 for the, the three year, like another five for the, you know, the, the percentage wise starts to diminish very quick as you get towards the top end of that, that 15%. Crazy. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. All right. Well, that's what's in our cups this week. We encourage you to go find them. Uh, Green Cheek is not available probably at a distributor or a packing area. You might have to do a little flying or a little, uh, little wishful thinking with the beer store there, but uh, go get, go get the beam beam with an M M as in matter. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get into this here. Some NFL news and notes. <sighs> Baker Mayfield, he's not going to be in the Seahawks quarterback plans. Uh, he's not going to be in the Browns quarterback plans because he got traded to the Carolina Panthers for a fifth and a fourth pick conditional swap. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to split his salary. So Cleveland's going to pay $10 million of it, and Carolina's going to pay $5 million of it. Sam Darnold no longer going to be the outright you know, presumed starter in Carolina. And to be honest, I'm excited about it. I'm excited. I, I like it when, when some, you know, some quarterbacks get a, a, you know, a chance to sort of go to a different team and rewrite their story. Uh, unless you're my favorite quarterback and you leave the team, then blah, you're dead to me, except when you're on prime time and then facing my team and then every other game. Anyways, um, I, I, I like, I like the way this, uh, this pans out for Baker. I think him going to a team with a decent offensive line. Okay. He's got um, DJ Moore. He's got Christian McCaffrey. So you, you add that. The defense is okay. I mean, the thing that sucks is he went from one tough division, AFC North, to another tough division in the, the mm-hmm. uh, NFC South where he has to face Tom Brady twice a season. Like, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, and I mean, it's let's not pretend like this is smooth sailing from here. I mean, I True. don't know what Carolina is doing right now. Uh, they have uh, Sam Darnold, they have Baker Mayfield, and they have uh, M- Matt. What is it? Oh, Matt Corral. Coral? Yeah, Corral? Matt Corral. Yeah, yeah, the guy from, he was like from Florida. Was, oh, that was Kyle Trask. Never mind. Yeah. They have another they, quarterback. They've, they've given away a total of six picks a second, a third, a fourth, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth for those three guys to be in the same room. And the, and the funny part about a lot of that is Sam. Weren't Sam, didn't Sam and Baker go in the same draft, like pretty close to each other? Uh, I'm going to have to go to the Google for that. But, I think they um, were part of the same Baker, draft class. And I, I, yeah, I, I, Baker I, was number one overall, right? And then who was the second? Uh, I don't know who was second. I, I, I mean, I think Sam Darnold may have gone third that year. So you have the first and the third from that same draft class in this, on the same team together. Like, it's, I don't. Oh, yeah, 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 it was. Um, Baker Mayfield went first, Saquon went second, Sam Darnold went third. Mm. I bet they would trade either one of those two quarterbacks for for, for, for the aft-injured Saquon. No, because they, the Sa- the they have their own injury-plagued running back currently who's at peak, maybe better than Saquon. Um, who do you go with, Sam Darnold or Baker? 
Baker. And here's why. Sam Darnold went to the Jets. He wasn't he wasn't exactly world beaters. He had a couple flashes, right? But you've been a starting quarterback now in two different teams. Mm-hmm. And if if you're not able to catch on, usually you don't get a third chance. You just don't, right? Um, so I, I'd be really interested to see how that, that battle, you know, I mean, both of them get injured. So I, I have a feeling like, you, you know, they're both going to have to understand the system pretty well, but for the Browns, mm-hmm. if, if the, which we're going to talk about in a minute, if the whole Watson thing pans out the way that we think it's going to, the Browns lost their biggest insurance policy. Someone who's familiar with their scheme and mm-hmm. their system and can make those plays work from, from the get go, because they decided they wanted to, to move on, which mm, fine. But you're looking at Jacoby Brissett being your starting quarterback. Or maybe trying to, what, bring in Jimmy Garoppolo? Probably not going to happen, yeah. right? So it, it, it kind of, it, it's a quarterback chess move in the, in mm-hmm. the way it moves things around, but I, I don't I don't necessarily think that Donald, I mean, he could try and outplay Mayfield in camp. It's possible. I What I really hope the most of all of this is that it really comes back to bite uh, the Browns in the ass because they oh, of course to do a, to. a great job of, they had, they had promise, you know, whether or not you think Baker Mayfield was that guy who was going to take you on down the road to, you know, success later, I don't know. I, I think Sam Darnold got off to a really difficult start. I think, you know, he was one of the first guys that was sort of rushed into the position, and I think that kind of sets you up for failure. Baker was the same way. I mean, both of those guys were in pretty quickly. They uh, They both have started almost the same amount of games. I mean, it's... It's pretty surprising how similar these two guys are in terms of stats. You basically got the same guy. <laughs> like, like I'm going to go through like some of the major statistics right off the bat. Okay. Uh, 253 completions. I'm not even going to tell you who's who and see if you can mm-hmm. guess. Okay. You probably won't be able to, but. 253 completions to 243. 48, 418 attempts to 406. And this is last season? This is the 2021 season, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, the completion percentage was 60.5 versus 59.9. Yards, total yards were 3,010, 2,527. Yards per attempt, average was 7.2 to 6.2. Touchdowns, however, 17 to 9. Interceptions, both had 13. Sacked 43 times to 35 times. Um, well, one, I don't want to one is a One is a fantasy QB 25, and the other is fantasy QB 28. <laughs> I mean, I would think Darnold would probably be the, to the 25th and Mayfield be the 28th because I think Darnold has his rushing touchdowns, plus I know... I think I saw today that um, Mayfield's touchdown and interception split from last season was 17-13. So. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Baker Mayfield has most of the better statistics. The only difference is uh, when you look at rushing attempts, I mean, Sam Darnold only had five to one. So it's not that big of a difference. Um, but in terms of overall touchdowns, factor in those five and, and you're, there's not that many separating the two of them. So you basically mortgage your future in this weird split payment draft pick offload 
for the same quarterback that you already have. Now, what's what we can't discount is the team that surrounded Sam Darnold versus the team that surrounded Baker Mayfield, right? Like you had a couple guys in the Browns who had career years that helped, you know, tremendously in terms of making him look better. Not that he not that he looked bad. He played through a ton of injuries. I think the guy ton. is a, a tough, tough player. I think he's going to get it figured out, and I think he's going to play well. I don't know if I feel the same way about Sam Darnold, but it is really a coin toss at this point for, you know, which one of these two guys is going to be your go-to. It's going to be how they perform going into this, going into the uh, the preseason. But I think if Sam loses the starting position, I think that's it for him. I think that's it. Yeah, I, I don't agree. think you can take that level of rejection, you know, Going into a new team, you got a fresh start. You got away from the Jets, which everybody thought was going to be uh, like a good thing for you, and then you're there short term, and and you kind of get smoked by you know some drama that comes in because you know the media is going to follow it, you know the story is exactly. going to follow it. Um, but I don't know if I necessarily look at Baker as uh, as an upgrade. So, um, well, I, I mean, he, he, I, I wouldn't he say may not be. I. I don't know. It's tough because I, I, I kind of turned around a little bit. I know I kind of shit on Baker, and I think I, I kind of came around a little bit, and I thought maybe he was better. I, you know, I, I think he's maybe needs to t- tone down the commercials a little bit. I mean, there are guys who have infinitely more success who are less in your face in terms of their media presence. And I know, you know, that's not his fault. His agent's doing a great job of earning him money to, to do all that stuff. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault him for it, but. It's it's hard to not kind of roll your eyes or cringe a little bit every time he has a new commercial when you're like, dude, how about you win a couple games so that we stop making fun of the commercials that you're yeah that you're in. Could but be. In, in terms of on the field goes, I, I if if I had to pick between the two, I'd probably go a healthy Baker over Sam Darnold just because I haven't yeah. seen it. I haven't seen it out of Sam yet. Who who's played better against the Patriots? Sam Darnold, who saw ghosts, or Baker Mayfield? Hmm. I'm sure they both lost, but I, I want to see who lost more. And I bet it I bet it was Darnold, right? So like that, that's that's the thing. Baker coming off of off of his injury, off of all the the shit that we talk about him, right? With the, with the commercials and everything, that is the kind of swagger you need to to put in, you know, Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. That's what the fans are going to be looking for. Remember, Cameron Jarrell Newton walked around that place carrying a 15 pound bag of swagger, right? Yeah, the heat. That's just that's the fans want to emanate that. I don't see that in Sam Darnold. I see it in a guy like Baker who wants to be a gunslinger. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, I was thinking about fading Christian McCaffrey and some fantasy things. And now I'm thinking, you know, maybe I'm not gonna, you know, totally get hyped on him, but I might might bring it up a little bit. Might bring it up a little bit. Um to answer your question, Sam Darnold is let's see. Couldn't tell you off the Top of my head, but it is uh is a passer rating of forty one point two with six hundred and ninety one yards, Yikes. one touchdown, nine interceptions in his four games versus the Patriots. So uh not great, Samuel. Not uh not great. So uh, what is this? In 2019, he had a passer rating of 3.6. <laughs> you can wow. give a better passer rating, chuck it into the ground. 
Wow. Game? I don't remember that game if it was uh if he came into that game or if he started that game. But god damn, I don't even know how that's I don't know how that's possible. They lost, let's see, in uh 2021, they lost. This is 2021. So he wasn't even going up against Brady 6 to 24. <laughs> He lost to Tom Brady 17 to 41, in case you were wondering. But it uh, sounds and, like he scored more points than Donald did. And 6 to 32. No, this is this is Sam Donald I'm talking about. Oh, still? Yeah. And then in. Uh, oh, this is 20. Why did you only give me 2021? Well, whatever. Long story short, uh, he got his ass kicked pretty much every time he went up against Brady and or the Patriots. Uh, and Baker. Baker did consider, considerably better. Even though he lost both games, he's only been up against him twice. But a 79.2 passer rating, and then a 56.3 passer rating. So not not quite as as bad, but only one touchdown in both of those. <laughs> I mean, the defense was good. All right, but yeah. I mean, happy trails to him. Interested to see how that that battle breaks out in the yeah. camp. But moving from one Browns quarterback, former, to a new Browns quarterback, new Deshaun Watson case probably to be decided sometime over the next week. Yep. Uh, the independent arbitrator, Lisa Robinson, um, has been hard at work interviewing Watson. The league has been interviewing Watson. Um, some potential punishment was leaked. To, um, was it uh, Pro Football Talk? And hmm. it, it looked like the league was seeking a one-year-long suspension. And, of course, the NFL Players Association is pushing for no discipline. Uh, come on now. Now, apparently, according to Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Pain Dealer, ultra-respected journalist in the Cleveland sports scene, so I, I completely trust what she's saying. Um, there's an article that came out that said that, you know, Watson, in, in conversations with her and not asked, has been talking about how he's been going to, you know, seek treatment for his issues, which I got a lot of questions about because you just you said on the stand you have no issues. This is not a problem whatsoever. You settled 20 to 24 cases, and, you know, your, your lawyer is pretty much just bumbling through and really not doing you any good. Um, that being said, I, I think that the league can't not suspend him. Um, mm -hmm. I would love to see a, a one-year punishment. I really would. But with as much conjecture as started out super hot, we're looking for a year-long suspension, and now this is leaking that. you know The other side's pushing for no discipline. What I think is going to happen, realistically, is a six- or seven-game suspension. Mm. And I'm not, I'm not thrilled by that. I'm really not thrilled by that at uh -huh. all. I think it'll make the league look, you know, pretty, you know, soft on um on this whole situation. But I think that's if I had to to be, you know, Sam Stradamus, I had to make a guess, that's what I would say. I um I don't think how how to how to phrase this because I think this is another one of those that like how much power do we give the NFL in scenarios where I guess no, and, and I'm air quoting here. You guys can't see this because it's a podcast and obviously you can't see me, but there was uh, found to be quote unquote, no wrongdoing. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I think doubt it. I, well, I agree. I agree. But in a court, Right, because right now we're talking about 
the NFL and their evaluation of all of this stuff and their announcement of it. But in terms of the legal system, there was no, like, he is facing no criminal charges. He is facing no jail time. He is facing no legal repercussions. Now, whatever led to that, whether he decided to pay everybody a billion dollars and, and everyone decided that that was worth, you know, no longer pursuing their pain and anguish and they're going to ride off into the sunset knowing that they hurt his wallet. Like, I, who knows? I'm not, I'm neither saying I am for or against any of that. I'm just saying for the sake of conversation, I get a little concerned with sort of the slippery slope that this could cause with the court of public opinion the NFL's depiction and, and understanding of situations and whatnot, it feels like, do I, do I think he should be punished? I, I mean, if they find that he did something wrong, yeah, I do. But I, where, where I get more, where I kind of question things a little bit, let's say you're at your job, right? And someone or it comes out that you – stole something from a supermarket. I'm just throwing out an arbitrary thing. I, it's not... All right, let's, let's let's do a apples to apples. Let's say it comes out that you had an inappropriate and maybe abusive relationship with a woman who was not consenting, right? You go to court, go through the whole process, they bring in, and ultimately that woman decides not to press charges for whatever reason. You guys settle or there's an agreement that happens. How comfortable would you be if you went back to work and your and your job was like, hey, you know what? I know you're not in trouble legally. I know that there's no repercussions there, but we're going to go ahead and go through the whole process again. We're going to interview mm -hmm. everybody, and then yeah. we're going to apply a punishment instead if the legal system chose not to. Like that. Most, most companies weird. have ethics policies like that, right? So like. Again, it's it's not just a it's not just a one on one thing. It's like multiple people. That that's why I think sure. like there there has to be there has to be a standard that's set from the NFL stance, and I don't think that they're going to do that. So I, I just think it's going to be a PR blunder for them, right. one on top of the many that they're going through right, right now, um, where they could just say, "You're on suspension." Like you're the commissioner of the league, right? You're gonna have one team pissed at you. I don't get it. Do it. Yeah. Well. Here's another added wrinkle, and again, this is all just for the sake of conversation, right? For, right, right, right. Yeah, for, I, for I know that you content. don't actually. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I know you don't, you don't actually feel that way. Yeah, for the content, um, but let's let's play devil's advocate here. How much does the Amber Heard Johnny Depp trial kind of throw a wrinkle into this? Where at first glance, Johnny Depp and the company that paid him to be in all of their movies and many of his sponsors did what the NFL is doing and just stripped them of everything. They cut him from future movies. He lost sponsorship deals. He lost like advertisement deals, all of that stuff gone. And in reverse order, they did go through the legal system and he was found that most of what was being said had no merit. Right. So that, that's, that's the kind of, that's where I struggle a little bit because we, what we see now is somebody who lost a lot of their, uh, career headway, a lot of the, um, a lot of their reputation, a lot of money, all of that stuff got stripped away. The same way we are saying the NFL should do to Deshaun Watson, because once that happens, he is forever 
a sexual predator, r rapist, sexual abuser, but whatever, how, whatever that. How do we know? How do we know he's not already that? Right. Just, just, it, just because that's, that's, he settled twenty of the twenty-four cases and because there wasn't enough criminal evidence to bring a case forward does not mean that he's like scot-free in the clear i i agree nothing you know what i mean i agree but i guess you could you could ask at the same time how do we know he is right like we didn't get, we're not privy to any of those how how many of those were maybe he was just into weird shit and he found a bunch of women who were into it and then one one woman came out and some of them are like oh let's I just, see yeah, let's, i think that's I, even slippier slope i i agree i think there's a lot of sort of sticky situations in here and i think coming off of uh, like the Ray Rice situation and a lot of these other scenarios, I think there's a lot of pressure on the NFL to do something. And I like this one, I don't want to say is more cut and dry. Like the, the Ray Rice was about as cut and dry as it could possibly get. And they botched that and, horribly. Yeah. I mean, um, and I think that's probably one of the only things that once it came to light was handled appropriately, but it should have been handled appropriately before it came to light. And that, that's the problem. But how many, that, how like, many games was he suspended? Well, I, I feel like it was, wasn't one of the big controversies that Brady well, yeah, got I think suspended. They gave him like a four or six game suspension, but the, the dude has never been on a team since. Yeah, but I mean, I think the NFL levied the same penalty to Tom Brady for maybe or maybe not deflating a football, which was proven not to really give any competitive advantage. So, like, I no, he was they, released. Did they get that right? No, he he was released from the Ravens. and suspended in. That's more of a comparison between how the Browns handle this versus how uh, the Ravens handled that situation. So, still not exactly a a one to one scenario there. The NFL levied the same suspension that they gave Tom Brady for their suspicion of deflating footballs or his invol involvement of a football. So either they botched the Tom Brady one and he should have gotten like one game, or they botched the Ray Rice one and he should have gotten. You know, that wasn't like, I mean, one of them is multiple women. I, like, you're obviously going to get a more severe punishment. The other one was literally knocking a woman out in an elevator on closed-circuit cameras, with, I, which I you can't think, do right at all. I just think all, that so. the, the league has has the opportunity to, it's, since, the, since the union exists to advocate for the player, the league almost has an implicit responsibility to go for the max every single time, right? And I think leaking a one-year-long suspension was not was not enough. Yeah, so I think I, that the NFLPA pushing for no discipline and we're going to end up somewhere around six, seven games. I just said, think it's, it's kind of farcical when the league wants to, and it's stated this grow it's, it's um, woman fans of the sport. And this is something that, that flies in the face of that. And it, this will hurt their bottom line, which is the thing like the shield always cares about protecting the people who improve the bottom line. I'm not really sure a five year, $230 million quarterback that is not going to play for the betterment of one year. I mean, the Browns had had to go and make that choice because they wanted to win the sweepstakes. But like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess, again, this is more devil's advocate stuff. So, essentially, what they're saying is, excuse me, legal system, we don't agree with what your judgment was or how you handled this situation. We're going to go ahead and do it on our own. So yeah, now, that almost, legally, that's what it sounded like, legally, based off of what they find, could this then spurn like additional like legal proceedings for him after the fact when if the nfl comes out and says we have deemed his appropriate to be beyond the the pale of what we deem acceptable behavior underneath our yeah, he could our I'm, I'm sure i'm sure that that the the, the players union would want to 
keep this in arbitration for as long as possible and keep, you know, appealing the decisions and whatnot. Yeah. I just don't think that's, that's just not, that's not a good look. Yeah. If, if a guy, if a guy is telling a reputable woman's sports reporter in the hometown of the team that he plays for, that he's going through treatment and he's trying to better himself. That to me is like one step short of going to down dancing with the stars and trying to rehabilitate your image. Right. But we don't know what he's, it, what, he, what he's being treated uh, for. I mean, I there's think, a lot I of think, like, I, yeah. think that, I think that's a problem. Like there's a lot of assumptions on, not, not a lot of assumptions. There's, oh, I, 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 I will, smoke, I will, I'll give you that. There, where there's smoke, typically I'm, I'm there is fire for sure. But there's assumptions being made across the board. Like all of the women settled. Right, like clearly, that's all. Oh, he paid them all off. I mean, may, may, maybe they deemed that during the process, like, I, I don't, let's just say for this, and again, again, anybody and listening, again. I don't want, I don't want, yeah, I don't, I yeah. don't want to trigger don't, anybody. Clip taken out of context here. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not trying to trigger anybody. This is just for the sake of wondering at what power, at what point do we, uh, do we put the NFL's power in check? when the legal system is already involved. That's that's all this is, and this is just for the sick conversation. So let's say we don't we don't know why all of these women settled. Typically the go-to is because they feel like they paid him a ton of money, right? Like we don't know what the payouts were for all of these because that's all non-disclosed and, and nothing generally comes from this. But Until someone argument, wants to break their NDA. Right, but so for the sake of argument, that means not a single one of those women decided that like this is so bad. I would l- rather see this man brought to justice, not no, just I, pay I don't me think a ton that. of money. I think that we live in a country where I mean, women's rights have been scaled back considerably during sure. the past like couple of months, and that when it when it comes to um, someone being the subject of incredible amounts of hate online, mm-hmm. uh, and then in their own personal lives, maybe that settlement is a way to to get by day to day instead of opening yourself up to discovery and then having you know Watson's bumbling lawyer attempt to denigrate you in a in a hearing that's you know there's going to be pictures of you that are drawn by the court you know uh artists there's going to be things on record about you mm-hmm. that, that are going to completely change the rest of your life i could understand why you know some of those women might not want to go all the way th- all the way through trial i get it I get it. I just yeah, don't think I t- I totally, that there's I, 20 I women that. that were like, well, let's mess his life up. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I have a feeling this is, we have someone who has a ton of money and a ton of power mm-hmm. and a ton of influence, and he's just going to continue to to keep his voice going loud until we all decide, all right, we've had enough. Yeah. And if you don't have an unlimited, you know, checkbook, you can't keep paying for legal fees. If you have a five-year, $230 million guarantee, you can just, you know, try and sue someone into absentia. So. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I just, for me, it's. I would love to. I would love to have like more use cases to to have this discussion. But I think, for me, it's turning the NFL into a higher level of authority than the actual legal system. So maybe we maybe we have a conversation about whether the legal system failed these women, which is uh, well, a, I, I a, a conversation. That's, that's a strong possibility, but uh, strong possibility. But we'll never know because. They all chose to sign on the dotted line and take the paycheck, which is tough. And again, I agree. I, I, I agree. Yeah, there's but a lot, I, but I, 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 I don't of... think necessarily that's that's necessarily what like they, they didn't sign on the dotted line, and take the paycheck. And it, it's probably the only, uh, it's probably one of the only chances that they have left because our our Byzantine legal system puts them into places where they have to take this or that, 
right? Yeah. It's the same way I'm, we're I'm saying, agreed. Watson, you have to either you know be gone for a year or you're going to get no punishment, and then we arbitrate and we you know we come somewhere in the middle. I think my, my last comment about this is it's it's a it's a woman arbitrator, mm-hmm. and there is going to be a ton of speculation about what she is going to do, you mm-hmm. know, on behalf of the league, you know, both places. There's going to be a ton of conservative and probably liberal backlash that's going to occur about like what she's doing for women writ large, right? Yeah. So that that you know that is going to happen, yeah. right? I do not envy the position that she's in, but right. I do think, mm-hmm. and and this is just me, that you know her selection was based off of both the NFL and the players' union. That to me signals that there may be some middle ground there, that the punishment won't be you know as much. Yeah, I I, I hope so. I think um, I think that that's a tough one. I. I can't help. I mean, I don't know how this works. Do they have an arbitrator? They just assign. Do they are they presented with a couple and they have to agree on which one to go with? I always thought the arbitration process, the arbitrator should be made up of a team of three people. That way, you you can take you know the the, the two thirds majority for whatever side you're leaning on, so you don't have one going one way, one go the other way. I could see how the pressure of being a female arbitrator in this and feeling like these women weren't heard, they're not being taken care of properly by the legal system, whatever. I mean, there's lots of things that were stacked against these women, and I agree with everything you said in terms of, like, is it a guarantee that they would have walked away with some sort of closure or victory or whatever they were seeking out of this? Did they feel like they were... That, like justice was served like that's there's a lot of question marks that go along with going through the entire court proceedings and you have these women who are probably being represented by somebody who who volunteered for this or or who took this on who may or may not have their best interest in mind they're just trying to you know go for the most you know financial uh, means necessary for something like this and take their cut and kind of move on or be part of a high profile. You never know. There's there's a whole yeah. lot of what ifs that are going on there. But I do think putting a woman in that position puts a lot of uh, potentially unnecessary pressure on her because you know, you know, like if she has social media, if there's anything that she's paying attention to online, you know that it's going to be two camps. There's camp. Yeah, that's, that's you're what I'm only, saying. I th- you're I think only pushing be... for Max because he's a because you're a woman and you're siding with the women and the women but, maybe trying. I mean, you know exactly saying... what would happen if he was a male arbitrator, right? Yeah, that that, that they walked in there from from the jump, you know, siding on behalf of the league. So it really is a lose lose. What, what if what I if took man... my caps off to her for even throwing your name yeah. in, in the hat in the first place? But what, she, what if she, they, uh... she wants to go through that? Now, what if it was a male arbitrator who pushed for like a Max one year? If uh, he gets the same I, amount of heat. Just don't forget, you have all the conservatives yeah. that are no, going to no, be no, yeah, yeah, shit. I do. If if he if he pushes for max one year, I think I think that's that's a that's a perfect example of, you know, we're looking for you know society's looking for a noticeable punishment here, and I don't think we're going to get it. Yeah, now so, the, the male other, or the female other, handing down that one year suspension, I don't I don't think that the the backlash should be any less. Yeah, it probably look the, worse. The only thing the only other thing I'll say on it is. I can also not imagine, as a female, the pressure you're getting from your fellow female counterparts, right? Like, yeah. oh, he's such a scumbag. You know, this many women don't come forward unless it's true. Now, granted, she's going to be on the inside of that case. If she comes up short and doesn't deliver what they all deem to be 
justice. Now she's going to be on the receiving end of all that bullshit. So she really has right. nothing to gain from either side of those. Depending, it, it it all depends on, and you hope that she's going through the process, listening to it, and and kind of taking it from there. But I yeah. still am well, not convinced the NFL should have this much power and brevity above and beyond the legal system. But we'll see over the next few years if these cases yeah. continue to happen. It's interesting you mentioned that because we'll move on to this uh, this Goodell testimony when. He testified about the uh, Washington football team. Well, you know, now the commanders, uh, their NFL investigation into the workplace uh, environment with harassment, culture, and everything like that. So Goodell testified before Congress, and mm-hmm. Mr. Dan Snyder did not because he was on his yacht in the French Riviera. He couldn't, he couldn't be bothered, right? Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to zoom in. It, 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 it wasn't equitable for his lawyers, right, or something, something to that nature. Yeah. So uh, during his own testimony, according to uh, CBS Sports, okay. Goodell straight up told the 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 executive committee that he was testifying before that he's not going to release the NFL's investigation because he wants to keep the participants anonymity. Uh, I mean, I sort of understand it, but you could also get a full release so you can have full transparency. Which again, I mean, you're you have these TV deals that are in place. You're, you own a day of the week. You have mm-hmm. all of these streaming rights that are, that are coming up that you're, that you're taking care of. Like, this is, I don't, I don't want to say this is a bad apple, but even Goodell doesn't think he has the authority to remove Snyder as the commander's owner, which is not the case because he could definitely do that, right? The NBA, when they needed to remove an owner, they mm-hmm. did it. So it, it's possible. And to me, this looks like, what did I say before he went there? I you know, said he's going to go ahead and take some heat, you know, act mm-hmm. on behalf of the owners and, you know, probably say some stern things about, you know, Dan Snyder. It looks super bad that you just decided you're going to spend some time on your yacht and you won't even like zoom in. Yeah. When that, when that, when that's, when that, that, it, that is a thing that you can do now. Oh, well, my legal counsel won't be there. Like, bro, come on. Come on. What's, what's funny and sort of ironic based off of the conversation we just had. Sorry, is, it, wasn't, it wasn't CBS Sports. It was Sports Illustrated. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, what's deal. funny about this, and, and a little bit ironic, is that this is the exact reversal of what we just talked about, where the NFL did its own internal investigation, made its determination, and kind of levied what it thought was appropriate. And then the legal system, and in, 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 in to the point now where we have Congress involved in the whole process and in, in questioning the owner and the, and, and the commissioner of the NFL. It just seems like nobody on either side really has any idea on how to how to evaluate or, or assign punishment to any of these scenarios. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know. It's unfortunately I think it's kind of carried on long enough at this point. Everybody dragged their feet long enough that I I honestly don't think anybody really cares at this point. Outside, Sell the team to Bezos. Yeah, Outside the Washington two day primes. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, start outside, over outside of outside of maybe any coaches that felt they were unjustly you know taking care of the women who were treated poorly a lot of that sort of stuff they obviously care about all of this but in the end of it like what what's going to come from all this what's the what is congress going to do i don't think anyone's going to be facing jail time for any of this maybe there's some tax penalty or, or maybe they find that as yeah. the owner maybe dodge some taxes or maybe like i i don't know at the end of all of this what the result is, but to be honest, I don't know what everybody is rooting for in terms of what 
they want to see happen from here? Like, do, do they want to see Snyder stripped of the team? Yeah, me too. Like, he's already shown that he's incapable of managing yeah. an organization or what is essentially a corporate entity within the NFL. So, strip him up. Yeah, but but you, you can you can lose your company if you if you fuck up on your taxes enough and, and you're really that bad. Like, it can be taken from you, right? From from the shareholder perspective. So, like. But who's who's? But it wouldn't be like this is Congress. Like Congress can't necessarily strip him of NFL ownership unless they yeah. determine he owns enough back taxes. The only way to fund that is by liquidating his assets and in, in ownership and a lot of his stakes, which could be but, but, the NFL. But the league, and I don't know if that I don't the, even know if that would happen either. The league, the league can do a lot more than they let on, right? Like one of the the most laughable but, moments yeah, league, for me. Sorry, real quick, the league can. But yeah, I'm right. In Congress, but, what is Congress going to do with all this? Well, Congress is having someone who's completely absent and doesn't want them to, you know, well, that person doesn't want to give any sort of testimony whatsoever. So that that doesn't look great for them, right? Um, one one of the most bizarre moments between typical partisan talking lines and you know taking shots at the president and all these other weird things, which the SI article you know details, which is like, why are you talking about the president when you're talking to the commissioner of the NFL? They're like two different people. Um, was someone, I think it was Jim Jordan from Ohio, he asked the commissioner directly about Dave Portnoy. And if you know anything about Dave Portnoy in the past few years, about it, it's been a big feud between him and the commissioner because of Deflategate, and then, you know, he kicked him and pretty much banned him from NFL games. And this dude asked com the commissioner, under oath, by the way, mm -hmm. you know, why are you preventing access from journalists, you know, to go to, go to games? And mm -hmm. Goodell was like, I'm not aware of what you're talking about. Bro. <laughs> bro really yeah <laughs> like but the internet like, does not exist like what? oh my god i was like you this is really bad this is really bad okay okay and now maybe maybe that makes sense why snyder was like i'm not i'm not zooming into this because they're gonna get me and i'm gonna tell them exactly what they want to hear and you know take the team away from me I mean, that's what i think you would do but goodell you know do you watch succession no okay so there's a okay. scene in succession where they have this young guy um, who's in the company who doesn't really know a whole lot and he gets tore to shreds on the on the testifying stand. And I got a little bit of that feeling when watching, you know, some of the highlights of Goodell's testimony. He held he held his own. I mean, there's a lot of bizarre stuff that happened. So like overall, like I think he did okay, but like Oh, I don't know who Dave Portno is. Bullshit, dude. Yeah. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> you you don't know that a guy made a t shirt line with your face on it and a clown nose? That Matt Patricia wore? Yeah, you don't know about? Okay, okay, sure. Oh, you don't know who bans people from your games? Okay, 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 yeah, sure. So what, did, what, would you, what is it you say you do around here? Roger? <laughs> yeah. I, the whole thing is just... I, I would hate to give Barstool any more airtime than, than that. That place has not evolved since I was 20 years old. I will be 40 next year. It is the same exact website. The same exact media on just a larger scale, like top to bottom, same thing. Uh, but I suppose at this point, I'm not uh, within his demographic, so it is what it yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but real, real quick on the on the just last thing on the Commanders thing. Mm. So the Commanders, uh, I mean, the Deshaun Watson thing is the the legal system did not handle the accusations of twenty plus women properly they settled or, or whatever we want to settle on 
Congress is just looking into the allegations of sexual harassment and toxic workplace behavior over the last 20 years. But like and possible, you know, book cooking. That that has been a footnote on almost everything. The primary focus I agree. has been I like agree. toxic workplace and all that sort of stuff. It just Which seems it has been. strange that in one case we thought the legal system didn't hold up to its end of the bargain, so the league took over, and then in the other case, the league uh, we feel the league didn't do its part correctly, and now we're hoping the legal system does. It just seems like... Well, not like legal, the, judicial, the, right? Or sorry, executive. Well, I mean... I'm, <sighs> what, I don't, I, it's been so long since I took American government. I have no idea. Okay. Well, the end of, the, the, the end of all of this is the fact that our, our, our government is interviewing and going through the process, and everyone hopes that they levy some, some form of punishment against the commanders. When the legal system did not, they, they went through the whole process and they didn't do it for Deshaun Watson. So it's like in one case, we didn't trust that, that justice was served and that they handled their end of the bargain. But now everybody is supporting and we're hoping the league does. But in this case, now we're saying the league didn't handle it. So now we're hoping like the our, our government levies the appropriate penalties. So it just seems like a, a, an an odd contrast the fact that we're talking about him back to back it just feels like a weird comparison between the two of them because what essentially we're talking about when we say toxic workplace is the way he particularly treated women over the course of 20 years well yeah and then the culturally ingrained things that were you know yes. taking part of that team I, like if you, if you take a look just i mean there there's no real comparison right but you have one person 22 women with, with deshaun watson but you have one person in dan snyder in hundreds, mm-hmm. likely, of employees that have been affected by this, plus fans yeah. who paid for season tickets and were held on waiting lists so that Schneider could generate revenue in other ways, right? Or or move it off the book so he didn't have to pay it. Like that, there's a lot of conjecture around like this, but like the cases really, really are different in the fact that there's not there's not been something of this scale with other teams. It's usually been focused on the general manager. It's been focused on the coach, right? Or then even with your beloved Patriots, like, you know, the the scandal involving the owner, like, was kind of falling apart on, like, a legal pretense. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, okay. It's already out there, though, right? It can't, it can't be taken back. So, like, this is, this is the commander's stock in the community and in the league that's actively taking losses. And the owner's like, nah, I'm not going to testify. Yeah. Like that 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 reeks of, to me of someone who knows that they're too big to fail, because they'll either get bailed out or or that the punishment won't be that severe at the end of the day. Oh, I'll, I'll pay. Oh, it's a ten million dollar fine. Okay, I'll pay the ten million dollar fine. He's a billionaire. What's ten million dollars to him? He, he you know, yeah. probably it probably doesn't doesn't bother him as much as we would like it to. Yeah, I I think this is something. I mean, we'll put a pin on it for now because we've been talking about it for quite a while. But I think this is something worth potentially spending an entire podcast on because the the primary focus of every news article you see all of the hearings you hear about is like sexual misconduct in a toxic workplace over the course of 20 years but but it, it, there's a lot of it there and I agree I agree I'm just I I just find it interesting the dynamic in in while they're not apples to apples it's still legal system in one failed so we're relying on the league but in the other one we're doing the exact opposite we don't feel like the league did it it seems like in every single one of these cases 
if we feel that justice was not appropriately served by one entity, we are just going to require that the other one find some way to level some sort of penalty, which is, uh, that's where I find the slippery slope. Like at what point yeah. do we, do we determine, okay, listen, going forward, we have the legal hearing, whether it's Congress or the local legal system or whatever they do it. And then the NFL does their own. There's gotta be some sort of process to it. Right. And I know all of these require a level of minutia to, to navigate and manage, but I still think there, there comes a point where it needs to be consistent and reproducible. Like when these things come up and right now it's not right. It just seems like as, um, as a whole, us spectators and fans and even folks who aren't fans and just follow the news cycles, we're just demanding heads regardless of who it is that serves us those heads. If we feel like the legal system isn't doing their part, we demand the league do it. In the next scenario, if the league doesn't do it, then we're demanding the legal system does it. Like we just want heads to roll at the end of all of it, no matter what. And it doesn't seem like anybody cares who's doing the chopping as long as it lives up to what the fans' expectations are when, you know, the court proceedings, we're seeing some of it, a lot of it's closed, a lot of it we're not getting, you know, evidence and, and things like that. Is it the same way with like the Deshaun Watson? Like we're we're just speculating across the board on all of these things and going off of leaked information or some statements right. that are snuck What's out. What's available here to us at so, the moment instead of final dispositions? Yeah, yeah. So it just feels like Alice no. in Wonderland, and 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 we're just replacing the the Queen of Hearts with whoever we feel is going to deliver what it is that we need, and we're just demanding heads, which is it's where it I is, find it is things a, sticky. That's all. Yeah, I hear you on that. It it is it is terrible that we have to. Related to a, right. a child's fairy tale, or fire. Why we can't it's get this stuff done? It's crazy. Everything from our own legal system and the way it's handling a lot of the way females and, and women in general, or, or or people identify as females, or or you know, non-binary, whatever your your situation is. I feel like you're being kind of left behind, and we're 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 moving backwards. So yeah, I would I would agree. Um, all right, let's let's finish up here. Let's talk yeah. a little bit. About the college, the college teams. Okay, mm-hmm. look. A year ago, Oklahoma and Texas said we're going to join the SEC. We're going to leave the you know the Big Ten or Big Twelve, whatever it was they were in at the time. And it started this whole bunch of shenanigans that this week, this past week, culminated with USC and UCLA saying, "Hey, Pac-12, we out this bitch. We're mm-hmm. gone. See you bye." Um. So now they're part of the Big Ten, which started with 10 schools and now has 16. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So do that math for me. Uh, the SEC has a million schools. I mean, sorry, they only have 32 schools, but like, this is insane. Th- there is a redistricting, if you will, of college sports and it's yeah. all tied to TV deals. It's tied to the fact that the SEC and, um, and the, you know, the big 10 have a massive amount of, of TV contracts um, slated to come to them over the next like five or ten years. So for USC and UCLA to say, "Hey, Pac-12 in 2024, we are no longer part of your conference at all. Mm-hmm. We won't play in any of any of your teams." Even though that was the point of the Pacific Conference in the first place, right? We're just we're just moving teams around arbitrarily. So now you're going to tell me that USC and Rutgers are in the, they're in the same league? Oregon, oh, I'd love Oregon's, to see that. Uh, Oregon's there's, there's some thought that Oregon should make that chip that that jump also, but I so think what what if a, you a, do that, you just use completely detached, like the, the point of G, which I think was in the beginning, geographically aligned conferences. They're I out mean, the window. Doesn't matter everybody anymore. Everybody at this point, 
And this is kind of the writing that was on the wall when we were first talking about the name and likeness and, and everything else. Teams are now chasing ways to fund a lot of those. And there were TV deals with the, uh, with the Big Ten that a lot of those other teams did not have. But they're currently the ACC... Uh, and the Pac-12 are also in conversations now for airing their games on ESPN uh, as well. So that kind of changes a lot of this. Like what happens now, let's say they land those deals and they're almost as lucrative, if not if not the same as the Big Ten, are those teams now going to want to, what, migrate back because they, their piece of the pie is now the same and, and the conferences are, are structured more in their favor? I mean, those are teams you hear – year after year, constantly ranked in the, the top of their division. So what you have is working. Are you trying to say going to a more competitive uh, uh, division or, or conference is going to – like w- where's the benefit from that? Do you get a bigger piece of the, the TV pie? Because if there's 16 teams, it's not the same payout for all six all 16 teams as if there were 14 teams, right? Like – it, it, a little piece of that gets gobbled up a little bit each time yeah, the team joins. The, the thing is that SI came out with a, a you know a report about how UCLA was um, in dire financial straits. Okay, and they were faced with the prospect of cutting sports, so they okay. had to bolt for the Big Ten to go ahead and keep those sports alive. To which I call an absolute massive steaming pile of bullshit. Yeah, not possible. You're a Division One school with that endowment that you don't have those sorts of things figured out. I, I just again, it's another example of those. You're too big to fail, sort of things. Like it is a TV deal. Just, just say like with Live Golf that you're going for the money. Just say it. We're we're cool with it. We'd be absolutely cool with it, right? I'm still gonna get up every Saturday morning at the Ask Crack Adonis stand and just watch college football Saturday, right? Mm-hmm. The kickoff. I'm gonna do it. I'm going to see where kids are from, you know, the students from all across America, you know, to watch a Saturday full of college sports. I'm going to do it. I don't care about the SEC or the ACC or the Big 12 or the Big 10 or the Big 7, the Big 5 plus 2, carry the 1. I don't care about these things. The league and those administratives that they have does not matter to me in the conferences, in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't. I'm not tied, oh, SEC for life. You could be a Texas A&M fan for life. That's cool. You are not an SEC fan. You just aren't. But the SEC and the Big Ten are whom get the majority of the TV contracts. They're whom get the majority of the FaceTime. You went to those leagues. Just come out and be honest about it and just say, hey, we want to give our student-athletes a better chance at being on, on, on TV every Saturday. We want an optimal schedule. We want to get more revenue for, for the boosters or our, our name, image, likeness collectives or our school, whatever it is. Spend the finance all you want. There's easy ways to do that. Don't say, we had it perilous athletic department finances we, we might have had to cut sports no you yeah. didn't you will, absolutely didn't i will say the only thing i did see the last year the before i did see some like some news cycles and articles about ucla being one of the the hardest hit schools with in terms of uh of covid related financial losses so i wonder if potentially somewhere underlying all of this that might be part of it i mean that that is it is something to take in consideration for a lot of these. But what I wonder is if jumping to Big Ten really makes that big of a financial impact. If that's it the does. case. It like, does. It does. And here's why. Yeah. 
the Big Ten inked a deal in 2017, according to SI, that ran for six years, was worth $2.65 billion. Mm-hmm. billion. Uh, Pac-12 had a 12-year deal worth $3 billion. So going forward, according to SI, the, the reports indicate the Big Ten can make up to $1 billion per year in its next media deal, netting each member school around $62.5 million a year. So okay. that's compared to the $33.5 million that they're currently making right now. So it's double the money. So just come out and say that. Like yeah. you, you, you can spin it all you want, but men, men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie, right? Yeah, thirty-three and a half million, sixty-two and a half million. Just be, just be honest with it. Just say this is why we're doing it, and just say the conferences like stats don't matter anymore. That's just that's what you should be doing. College football is a disaster anyway in terms of how it's structured and how it's organized. I, it's it's, I, a, yeah, it's I mean, a mess. They they should all just be. Are you Division One school? Cool, you're a Division One school, and we will like the NFL does with scheduling. We're going to create your schedule, and guess what, Alabama, you're going to play Marshall, then you're going to play San Diego State Valley University, then you're going to play the University of New Hampshire, and then you're going to play, you know, like you know, the weird thing is in all of this, Notre Dame just still remains unscathed because they're not in a conference. Now they get to choose which one of these big expanded things they want to go into. We might see friggin' Notre Dame in the SEC. Which is insane. It's like it's not Southeast. It just isn't. It's not the Atlantic Coastal Conference. It's not the Big Ten. It's not the Big Twelve. It's not the Pacific Area Conference. It's wherever you go that gets the most money. Like, come on, just I, do I would way love conference to go names. through. I, I I don't know if I when or how I'd ever have enough time, but maybe maybe on vacation or sometime I'll, I'll try and plot this out. But there are three hundred and fifty members of the NCAA Division One system. I don't know how many of those I, w- I would have to do digging to find out how many of those are like not every one of them I'm sure has football teams right that that may not be their bread and butter not every one of them may have some of those prime sports but I would love to go through that see how many of those division one schools have athletic programs like football and then even just to like just to see what it would look like to develop some level of playoff that just says up. Oh, you're uh you're from the you know the the four states in the upper uh the upper northwest portion of the state okay you guys all four of you statewide you all play each other and whoever has the 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 best record from there comes out like would you you'd have to almost like shorten the season down to like 10 games to make like 12 weeks of playoff but you football. You can't. Now, now with these TV deals and wanting to get everyone, yeah, 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 you know, know, their airtime, like, yeah. it's, just, it's it's funny Co- to me. It's like college sports is going through an existential crisis. And they, like a lot of other industries, are saying, well, we've been hit hard by COVID. Like, no, you've been hit by poor planning and succession. Yep. And, and, and you don't have an answer for ego. It. Well, I think- yeah. I mean, I feel, th- Tim, there's no way you can't like look at that and say that ego has something to do with these TV contracts and wanting to get their players in front of a primetime audience. I don't fault them for that. I fault them for telling us, oh, we're going where the competition is. Yeah. No, you're going where the money is. The competition is a positive like consequence of that, right? Yeah. I, the, only, I the, only thing I can, the only thing I can think of is that... Um, Part of this is also somewhat strategic in that now, um, now they can they can take and use that as sort of a recruiting effort to say, listen, now with the the name and likeness, they can go to their players and say, hey, 
we can guarantee you this level of exposure and this amount mm -hmm. of TV time, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. equates to, on average, 10% more in earnings be over being part of the Pac-12 or the ACC or any one of these others, right? Like, that's got to be a factor in it, knowing how big corporations work and how the financial side of this stuff uh, all plays into it. Um, it's... I I can't imagine that that's not part of this either. Like you want to you want to build your best pitch and this gives them leverage to not only bring in additional star power which translates to more money for the school but also uh bring in better talent which then again also translates to more money for the school. So there's, there's a lot of it that yeah. goes in and I think at the end of all of it it still comes down to taking advantage of of student athletes. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. And I think that's, that's a good segue to finish this episode of the staff center podcast by talking about name image likeness. Happy birthday. It's been in place for over a year now. Uh, the worldwide leader had a fantastic article, um, came out on the 29th of June about name image likeness. Hey, one year snapshot, some goods, some bads. Um, and I won't, I won't, you know, talk about everything. The article is fantastic. I encourage you to read it at ESPN.com. Uh, some positives. Athletes are making money. And not just male athletes. Female athletes are making money as well. The concentration seems to be spread a little out. And it seems, thus far, to have people coming back to school for another season. You know, maybe that's tied to NIL deals and wanting to stick around for, for longer amounts of time. I'm completely okay with that. What we were sold as, name, image, likeness is going to, it's the boogeyman. It's going to absolutely wreck our sport. And guess what it didn't do? Wreck the sport. Now, there are some negatives for the NCAA itself because the Supreme Court, when they overturned the decision to say that pretty much you've never defined what an amateur is and you can't hold these people to that, anyone can go make money off their name, image, and likeness. Um, it was it was kind of flat-footed. Didn't really have an idea of what they were going to do should they lose that uh, that case. And I think the NCAA, we've talked about this before, could have easily put a plan, a plan in place to say, hey, this is how we're going to do it. Oh, there's different states and different NIL you know, standards and messages. Cool. We'll go ahead and come up with an 80 or 85% solution. They chose not to do that because they thought they were too big to fail. Um, there's some residual confusion, though, over collectives, right? This seems to be the big thing. And, you know, Arch Manning, right, one of the most hyped, you know, uh, high school football commits to Texas, rumored to have a pretty big NIL deal. There's eye-popping numbers no matter where you go on, on the, the, the sports for who is getting the most NIL money. But let's be honest. Any money that is being paid out to them is more than what the NCAA did previously. Because mm -hmm. you can say, oh, well, they got tuition. They got room and board. I'm pretty sure that's being rid off by the university. So it's not like it's not like that, that, that student saw that money anyways. So even if I got a name, image, and likeness deal for one season and it paid me $5,000, that is $5,000 more for my family that I had that I never had before anyways. So, yeah, you get some uh, athletes who have an incredible social media following. They capitalize on it. And they make a million dollars off an NIL deal. And mm -hmm. you got coaches bemoaning, well, oh, it's going to affect recruiting. No, maybe you should have seen this, right? 
taxi drivers didn't think that their industry was ever going to be challenged until Uber and Lyft came along. Rockets didn't ever think their industry was going to be challenged until a crazy guy who made electric cars was like, why don't we just not make a rocket that lasts once? You should always be thinking about your organization from the perspective of if someone is going to kill our organization, how would they do it? And that's how you find how to be competitive and how to grow. The NCAA didn't do that. They're like, nah, we have a day of the week. We're good. The Supreme Court is like, actually, you don't. And now there's all kinds of other things that are being you know, put into that now. And athletes have a little more modicum of power than they've ever had before. And people are freaking out about it. Except <clears throat> they're still staying at schools. They're still performing. No one's got a name, image, likeness deal and flunked out of school that I'm aware of at the moment. So like, this is like reefer madness in 2022. You thought that all this stuff was going to completely happen. And college sports, as we knew, it was going to be decimated. It was never going to be the same. It does not appear to be that way thus far. Hmm. Although, to be fair, is maybe, maybe the, the UCLA uh, conference change might be potentially some of that, right? Oh, like, yeah. I, th- I, I, think I, I, think, I think it's tough to say off the heels of COVID and, and all that sort of stuff. I think there's some validity to that, but I, I, I wonder, I mean, I don't think we'll see the, the fallout or repercussions or benefits of this for a few years, right? I think it's still kind of like up in the air where this is at. And, and I still think at some point down the road, we'll land on paying athletes at the end of all this. I think it, I think it may be like, this is too difficult to manage. We're competing. We're, we're creating an unfair, uh, competitive environment with schools like okay so let's say let's say UCLA is financially struggling right how much does that I have a lot impact? of questions if UCLA is financially struggling I've like right. a lot of questions like whom is your bookkeeper fire them yeah <laughs> like, so let's let's just say hypothetically they are like how much does that and you're debating on cutting sports let's say it's a it's a hundred percent legit right I feel like they would cut art classes first or you know in the stupid shit that they always end up cutting and in the for the sake of saving sports they'll do something dumb but let's say that that it is an impact because you know as much money as they make off sports it costs them a lot to put those sports on because it's not just a podunk stadium with a couple lights it's a arena and the rose bowl and like all these other things but but let's say they are financially strapped how much does that impact your recruitment efforts it, it really does it, and here's why. In mm-hmm. FY 20 to 21, off the UCLAfoundation.org's own finance page, okay? Mm-hmm. It said, UCLA, quote, UCLA Foundation support of university remains strong thanks to donor contributions of $404 million, tax write-offs, by the way, and endowment performance of 34.34%. The foundation's net position increased to $4.6 billion. Total assets increased by 26%, a million, a, a $1.1 billion gain while total liabilities increased to 21%, 71.3 million to 417 point million total. So you have a total number of assets of 5.1 billion, and then you have a total number of liabilities to 417.7. You cannot tell me off of those numbers, it's finances. You just can't do it. It just, right. it just does not make sense. There is something in your books you are not showing us. That is exactly what I feel about that. And... Just, just agree. Agree. You want, you want more TV time, because athletes are already agreeing that they want to go to places where they know their name, image, and likeness is going to blow up. Mm-hmm. If the athletes have the, have the foresight and the integrity to do it, why are you hiding behind it? Right. 
I wonder I wonder if we could look up and see what the financial cost I, I I don't know if it'd be classified as a liability, but what the financial cost would be per year for sports programs for a team like that. I know you can look up tuition and all that sort of uh -huh, stuff and you uh -huh, can do uh -huh. some math to find that out, but UCLA sports sports debt. Here we go. $102 million over the last three fiscal years. That's according to frontofficesports.com. $102.8 million. The fuck out of here. No but way. Is, Do not believe is, it. But no, but what is that? Because that, that doesn't even sound like how much? The school has over 25 teams with 700 student athletes. Okay. But what about? I'm not talking about like tuition cost. I'm talking about salary cost for all of the the members. I'm talking about. Um, I, I think owning, I think this factors into that. Owning, operating, staffing, uh, major venue. Because like when I say major venues, I legitimately mean major venues for. Things I, I think like, their stadiums paid for. I mean, yeah, I'd be curious, but they're still operational. Look, they costs they racked up a hundred, a hundred and two point eight million dollars in debt over the last three fiscal years. Well, in debt, does that meaning correct? A hundred million dollars in debt above but, and beyond but what the their comp their income is type debt. Oh, does I'm that, sure they make. I'm sure they make quite a bit more than that. Well, if if the math there, if if what they're saying is is like true debt, are they implying that over three years though? So let, let's it's 102. So let's say 33 million dollars a year. Right, right. But so, what I mean, what I mean by their classification of debt, and sorry, we're getting off topic, and this is a whole another research. But if they're saying they accumulated that much debt over the last three years, are they implying that revenue, donations, and everything included, they are that much in the hole after the last three years? Because that would be a pretty big deal. That's what they're saying. Million? They, they're saying they're 130, uh, 130 million in the hole. Which again, I don't know how you. How, right. how you do that, right? But uh, yeah, let's see. Just a couple weeks ago, um, the Bruins, according to LA Times, this is the article we were talking about earlier, the Bruins' record $62.5 million deficit for the 2021 fiscal year reflected in many ways in which COVID-19 has bushwhacked schools from coast to coast. But... Then, then I wonder. That, because I mean, then that's it, like... Then $30 million extra a year on, Tim, makes a little bit of sense. Every company, every company from... From uh, you know professional sports leagues to car companies, tech companies that like don't give me the COVID thing anymore. Like I don't, I don't necessarily just buy that at the time. Like you slash salaries and jobs, you had these TV deals that you're trying to go ahead and make that money back. Like in the 2020 fiscal year, LA Times said that the school generated 15 million dollars in ticket sales alone. You know how much room hey. meals are per person? I, I like $17,000 per person. And if okay, for two years, so, every, every so member of the So 700 student athletes, $14.7 million? That math doesn't, doesn't work no, out either. No, no, no. You're talking every student on campus, when they closed campus down and converted to remote learning, would no longer be paying tuition, room, and board. So take their entire school staff and multiply that Again, by our, the, 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 the... This is the thing. Mm -hmm. it, in their media rights, they pulled in 14.47. So they that's not even a loss, really, when you think about it. It's like $300,000. That's a loss. For a university like UCLA, like not a big deal. You Yeah, you didn't make money. 
but you you kind of came close to breaking even too. Now, Under Armour terminating a two hundred eighty million dollar apparel deal. Sure. That I'll see that. Holy shit! That's not COVID though. But yeah, not, that's a massive number. No, no, I'm looking at a cost per academic year for non-residents, which I imagine a lot of UC, UCLA students are. $70,000 per student if well, you're yeah. living on campus. Damn. Damn. If you're off campus apartments, 68000 So you save, you save $200. $4,000. <laughs> no, you, you save like 300 and some change dollars. You might as well just yeah. live off, uh, live on campus. But all, all I'm saying is there, there's likely some valid COVID related expense loss that they're trying to overcome. Probably. And if they saw, so let's say they are $130 million in debt, right? Over the last three years, if you can make that up over the course of four years, cause you're making $60 million a year versus $30 million a year, that would make sense. So like, if this is true, right? So just, but I don't so think every school is in that same boat. I don't think all right, of those but schools that, are in that same boat. That goes back so, to my point. Just be real about it. Just say, men lie, women lie, numbers don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Pe- people who are fans of UCLA are going to watch you every Saturday. They don't care what conference you're in. They don't care. Right. But it, it's the other people who are casual viewers of the sport who are like, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, at the end of the day, I don't think they really, if I'm being honest, I don't think they really give a shit. I think what they're looking at is immediate earning potential plus what they can use as potential earning potentials not to say potential a million times but what they're looking at as as potential value and benefit down the road to pitch to their athletes that say hey listen it's a bigger conference yep. there's more competition you're going to get more exposure we got better tv deals you got more primetime games come to us we'll give you better name and likeness deals you'll earn more money by coming here makes you more competitive you're competing in these leagues could be you continue to make additional money so Definitely could be. The, the college college sports in general is a fucking dumpster fire in general. So And it's it the Wild it West now, and I am all about it. And <laughs> I think that will probably put a pin in it for this episode of Stassimer Podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Go get this beer. Go get that Booker's. And uh, support your local collective? I don't know. I don't hmm. know. That's, that's it. It sounded right to say in my head, but now that I say it out loud, I'm like, well, I don't know. Shout Maybe out. Don't support uh, local collective. Shout out, Jim. Vacational Insiders, buddy. Shout out Jim Bean or Jim O'Beam. Jim, uh-huh. See what I did there? Yeah. Something like but that. But yes. Yes, shout <laughs> out to him. One hell one hell of a career. Ha- happy to have been uh, sponsored by the, the fantastic organization and all the folks there at Vacational Land and mm-hmm. uh, wish you the best of luck in your uh, your future endeavors. Yep. I know they had a lot of up and down, some emotional roller coasters that, that, that took place there. But uh, Jim, a uh, college buddy of mine, uh, fraternity brother, uh, longtime supporter, uh, has chosen to, uh, to to hang up his distribution skates, gloves, whatever sport he's into, and move on to some other things. So once again, shout out to those fellas. And if any of you are listening, you want to come on and talk some booze, come hang out. Love to have you. Jim, want to come on and talk HR? Because I think that's what you're trying to get into. I'm in. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Thanks, everybody. Peace.